uh, I don't know how many times I read over that, but this time I really studied it to make a presentation. A lot of miracles in there. What a God. Wow, we. And I kind of titled this uh, The Soul Redeemer. And you can spell that in a number of different ways, and it works. Soul Redeemer. So let's go to Exodus chapter 13. And uh, you know the story. Um, God wants his people to go. They've been in bondage for hundreds of years. And he has basically dismantled Egypt and their gods with a series of plagues. Um, the last one, if you don't call the crossing of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's demise, the last plague, uh, was the death of the first, firstborn. And uh, Pharaoh let the people go then, but kind of begrudgingly. And we're going to start it with this begrudgingness and uh, how the people left and, and where they went. So this starts in Exodus 13. Chapter 17, and there it says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So here's Egypt. Canaan's right up here. The quick way is just slip along the Mediterranean and go right up there. But you've got to go through Philistine territory, and they're a rough bunch. Uh, do you folks remember any standout Philistines? They had tall ones there. Goliath was, was the standout Philistine. And he was a nine-footer, and they, he had five brothers. So God said, maybe these guys aren't ready after 400 years of captivity just to slam into a war. He would run right back to Egypt and say, make it slaves again. It's safer here. So they took a different route. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And we're talking uh, anywhere from 2 million to 2.5 million people, and I was reading a commentary today that said they went out in rows of five. So kind of a, mis a military uh, exodus, very orderly. We know that God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of orderliness, and he had the people march out. And... Uh, that was an orderly ranks, it says here, how they left the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, uh, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. And they did, and they took the bones out with them. He wanted to be buried with his ancestors, of course, in Canaan. That was the promised land. He wanted to be there with Abraham, Isaac, and his father, Jacob. So uh, the bones of Joseph were carried out. So they took their journey from Succoth to the, uh, and camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as, as by day and night, and he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from the people. They had this convenience, this miracle for 40 years as they wandered in the desert. Now, can you let your imaginations go a little bit and see this troop of two and a half million people? What town around here has two and a half million people? Greater Columbus? Would Greater Columbus have two and a half million people approximately? Okay, we got Greater Columbus walking through a wilderness walking through Ohio, and they've got a huge cloud in front of them. And at night, it burns. I don't know how big this thing was, but it could have been real big. And uh, as we talk about uh, the entrapment by the sea, it sounds like it's pretty big, pretty big. 
So what a miracle to have a cloud shade you big enough for 200, uh, two and a half million people to have shade in the wilderness. It's a big cloud, big cloud. And at night, enough light to camp by, to travel by if necessary. That's a, that's a lot of lumens. That's, that's quite a light bulb. It's a big one. And I suppose heat in the desert night, it gets cool. So they probably had heat. It's a wonderful thing. Provision of the Lord. And this thing told them where to go, where to camp. It guided them every day if they needed to travel. If it stopped, they stopped. If it went, they went. Cloud during the day, color fire at night, everything you need. What provision? Fantastic. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, the tongues of fire in uh, Acts 2 when the church began and the disciples were energized by the Holy Spirit and they received the the Holy Spirit in the form of tongues of fire, and it guided them. And uh, what an illusion. You know, these people are being guided by the huge pillar of cloud, the way we're guided by the Holy Spirit. So very, very impressive. Day and night coverage, pretty neat. And God also spoke to Moses out of the cloud at the tent of the meeting. So it was God's, God's way of being near. And in fact, uh, we're going to see how near he was. And it says, and the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of cloud. That was, that was the Lord. That was his presence right there. And the Shekinah glory that came into the temple uh, when Solomon dedicated it, they called it a cloud. The Shekinah glory was a cloud. So God operates in the clouds. And, uh, you know, where's, where's Jesus going to call us up to when the rapture happens? The clouds. Be, be, be on the lookout for clouds. Good thing to know about is clouds. Okay, we're over here in 14, and it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi Harat. Uh, I practice this all day, and I'm tripping over it. Pi, between Migdol and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon. You shall camp before the sea. Um, for Pharaoh will say to the of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land, and the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so he will pursue them, and I will gain favor or honor over Pharaoh and over his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. So there's a move happening here. They're moving from the obvious way around to a bad position, a real bad position. And Pharaoh's going to think, these guys, these dumb Hebrews are out there. They've been in our country for 400 years. They're lost. They have no idea where to go. So uh, they're in a bad way, and we'll get them. We'll see who gets God here. We'll see what's going to happen. And God's using it as a way to honor himself and kind of show Pharaoh who's boss. Uh, Pharaoh thinks he's pretty hot stuff still. He's, he's got some cards to play, but uh, the Lord's going to work on that a little bit. It says, I will gain honor over Pharaoh and all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. So that's kind of a theme you want to look out for here as this story unfolds. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? So they made ready his chariots and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots, all the chariots of Egypt with captains, and every, uh, over every one of them, 
And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea at Pi before Baal, Zephon. Um, and the situation is they have a change of heart. You know, they were stung by the last plague. They saw the people leave in defiance. Uh, said they left with boldness. They, they left as an army. They were, they were bold and defiant. Our God has fought and won. We're moving out. Uh, they had taken things from the Egyptians. They were laden with their gold, uh, their might, and they left. So uh, Pharaoh and his people are saying, gosh, why did we do that? For years they were our slaves and everything. We, we just can't let them go. We've got to go get them. So he rounds up his, his best stuff, his best military. He says he took 600 choice chariots uh, and all the chariots of Egypt with captains. So he's got his navy seals in his best 600 chariots. Then he's got other chariots. And what else does it say here? He's got uh, his horsemen and his army. So he's got all his military eggs in one basket, and they're hustling after these people that are camped by the sea and kind of trapped. So he thinks he's got them, and he wants to get them back to put them back in slavery. So they overtook them at this camp by the sea. And in 10 it says, and when Pharaoh drew near, and remember that Pharaoh's with them, he's leading this advance. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. I, I bet they were afraid. They're, one of the commentators said they had their backs to the sea. To the north was a huge marshy area. They, they couldn't go that way. Uh, to the south were mountains and wilderness. They were trapped that way. And they've got this massive, experienced Egyptian army bearing down on them. And to their back is the sea. Oh, my goodness. They are trapped, so you would think. And here come the Egyptians, and they were very afraid, it says. Then they said to Moses, uh, we're, because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is, it not, uh, is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, or it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness? Um, Egypt, preoccupied with death. They had graves everywhere, and there were plenty of graves. These guys were grave specialists in Moses. Weren't there any graves there? He brought us out here to die at the hand of the Egyptians. And they were counted kind of down on Moses at first. You remember the situation where Moses went in and said, let my people go, and Pharaoh said, well, I don't think so. You guys are too idle if you're planning all this. Why don't you guys start making bricks with no straw? And the quota will be the same, and we'll see how you do. And uh, that was a tough chore, real tough chore. And, of course, the people hated it, and Moses got the blame. But God said, this is part of the plan. This is part of the plan. And so he went with it. And, you know, the grumble, grumblers will always grumble. And that's, that's what's going through the camp right now. So here we are, trapped on the seashore. And here come the Egyptians, and they're saying, it's, it's, we're going to get it right here. Right now, right here, Moses. And Moses makes this great statement of faith in 13. This is fantastic. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. Uh, I read that as chill. 
and see the salvation of the Lord, for he will accomplish for you, for he will accomplish for you this day. Uh, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Isn't that one of the essence of faith? That when you're in a real tough situation, that you can be still, stand still, and wait for the Lord. Stand still and wait for the Lord. And the closing uh, piece here is, the Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace. And in another translation it said, just stay calm. Just stay calm. Moses knew what was going on. And he said, just trust the Lord here. He's going to fight for you. Just be cool. Just relax. Have some faith here, please. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And in 15 it says, The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And indeed... Um, and I, indeed, will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. And that's the glory of Pharaoh, is what he has. That's all he has left. Uh, the plagues pretty much destroyed all of Egypt, their agriculture, what industry they had, their cities. Um, all Pharaoh had left was this mighty army, and God's going to work on that now. But that was Pharaoh's glory, and God is going to take greater glory by uh, showing uh, the Egyptians who really is God and re who really has the might. In 18, it says, And then the Egyptians shall know I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. He's going to take out the proud Pharaoh and his might. And the angel of the Lord went before the camp of Israel and moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of the Israelites. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that one did not come near the other all that night. I didn't know this thing happened at night. Unusual. I hadn't picked that up in earlier, earlier readings or studies. So we've got this situation where they're being led by the cloud and the pillar of fire, and they need protection. Here comes the army. There's the sea. They're trapped. They got the marsh. They got the wilderness. Looks bad. So God takes his cloud, his glory, and moves it in between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And for one, it's a huge bank of fog is the way I imagine that, and it's getting dark or dark. So they can't operate in the fog. On the other side of that, there's a light. There's a, there's a pillar of fire. So the, or the Israelites can form up and move through the sea that's going to be parted here pretty soon. So uh, great provision once again. Great provision. I don't think the Egyptians had any moving clouds. I don't think they had any lighted clouds or anything like that. They, we had the lighted clouds. Um, so that's the situation right here that... The Lord is keeping these two forces apart. And, of course, Israel would be no match for those 600 chariots and the horsemen and the infantry. Um, you know, the Egyptians were seasoned fighters, and these guys hadn't fought. Even though they had 600,000 fighting men, they had no weapons. They had nothing, and they were trapped. So the Lord had to do this to uh, save them. You think they were impressed by that move? I would have been. Wow, that cloud that was over here moved right over here and is shielding us from the Egyptians. Great move, Lord, great move, using, using his might. 
Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. Okay, we've got Moses stretching out his hands, and I always see the, the movie Ten Commandments, but here it is. Here it is. This is where they got it. And the sea was caused to go back by a strong east wind all night. And when the Lord wants to move a sea, he can move it with the wind if he wants to. And I'm sure that was important to have the sea open up and dry the ground and dry the ground. And we're going to read a little bit later that the water stood up. It was standing up. How do you do that? Somebody help me with that. I don't know of any wind that can do that, that makes good waves. Wind's good for waves, but I've never seen it make it stand up like a wall. That's something. That's liquid. Can you imagine all the tonnage against it? Wow. Man, oh, Pete. What a miracle. What a miracle. So the wind's drying out the, the land, and, and God keeps saying, you're going to cross on dry ground. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters, a wall on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them and went after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And you remember that God had hardened their hearts, that they would do this thing, and they were obsessed. They had to get these slaves back. They had to get these Hebrews back. So they did an unusual thing. They dashed into the sea right behind them. And you think those guys weren't looking at the sea standing up like this? What's, what's holding up the sea? And here we are. We're going to get them, though. We're going to get them. This looks perilous, but we're in there. Um, they, they were really obsessed. They really wanted to, to get those folks. But they saw other people in there. Why, why not go in? Why not go in? Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels. Huh? And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. I bet. And the and the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Wow. You know, they're in a bad situation. They got standing jello or whatever this is. It's liquid. You know, it can come in at any time. And they're chasing them, and the wheels fall off of their elaborate tanks, their, whatever, their, their chariots. And I've done some study of uh, the crossing of the Red Sea, and... They found chariot wheels in the Red Sea. Not bad. Not bad. Proving the Bible by history, by archaeology. Pretty cool. So let us flee for the face, from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. They know they're in deep water right now. We got a problem. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hands over the sea that the waters come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hands over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on the right and on the left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. 
Wow. Miracle upon miracle to make all this happen. Um, Egypt never recovered from that. They, they're mentioned in the world, in the Arab world, they're something, but they're going through upheaval now. And the Lord does judge nations. He saved his people out of Israel and, or out of Egypt, and there wasn't much left of it when he was done. He took out all their gods. Their gods had no fame anymore because all the plagues dismantled their gods. And then this final thing with Pharaoh, he killed, killed Pharaoh. And what happened to his firstborn son in that last plague? He was killed. So the dynasties wrecked, and Egypt never came back. And they were the greatest country. They were an empire, in fact, at that time. And they fell away, fell away, um, never, never to rally again. Um, that's what the Lord does to people that don't like Israel. He says, uh, if you don't like my people, uh, there may be a curse in store for you. And that goes clear back to Abraham. That's, that's been a promise for a long, long time. And we have situations now in the world that, uh, you know, Israel is losing friends. And um, I'm just afraid that the U.S. is going to back away from them, too. With the declaration by uh, our president that only the 67 borders should be adhered to, that's, that was just, hey, trim, trim Israel back to nothing. So... Um, stay tuned for our fortunes. Uh, I hope, hope we don't become like uh, Egypt, but uh, you know maybe we will because if we divert, divert, if we uh, leave our friends Israel, uh, there's a little curse that goes with that. Not too good at all. Um, Friday the 13th. Does anybody know why that that has such a bad bad connotation as being unlucky? What? Pardon me. Holly weird. Holly weird. I've heard that was the date of uh, the last plague, death of the firstborn. If you count it out, that works out to be um, very close to the Passover day, like one day before, if you work all that backwards. So the Egyptians really got hit hard. They really got smashed. Um, what do we take away from this lesson? Our God can do anything. The Lord will fight for you. And he sent his son to uh, do all the work for us. It was a real battle for Christ to be down here. Um, slings and arrows from the Pharisees, you know, you know, his lineage was in question. Uh, golly, the cross, the scourging, he did all the work. He fought for us and we get all the benefits. Amen. I heard one in the back there. I must've been Shirley. Cool. She's my amen sister. That that's good. Um, it's just a tremendous lesson in what God can do for us. And we need to keep the faith. We need to be still and watch God work for us. And, and how did they say it in the other translation? It says here, hold your peace. It says, just remain calm. Just remain calm. You know, our God can part the Red Sea, move clouds around, guide people for 40 years with a column of fire and a cloud that can cover two and a half million people. I think he's, he's got what we need. He's got what we need. Any, any questions on this uh, miracle or miracles? I did cover it. No, Rose. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. That's we may. Yeah. And that's when the Lord will fight for him. Um, Israel had nobody. You know, Egypt had them, you know, in slavery. They were out in the wilderness. You know, the nomads didn't come to help them at all. Uh, they just had the Lord. And that's what the Lord works. When we get down to a point where that's all we have. Yeah. Stand still and watch the Lord fight for you. Any other comment? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I'm out here where I might squeak, but um, yeah, the picture of the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm going to send another, the same kind as me, same kind as me, God, who is going to help you, be the helper, and that's the Holy Spirit. 
And that's, that's like the cloud of fire. You know, what, what a great picture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we sing a song about, uh, you know, blaze, spirit blaze. We sang one tonight about fire, too. I can't remember the lyrics for sure, but it works in. Um, yeah, didn't leave them orphans out there. Didn't say, we'll see you in the promised land. He's, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to provide water for uh, two and a half million people with livestock. What a gusher that was when he struck the rock. Fantastic. Um, yeah, doesn't leave us alone. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Great comment. Great comment. Other students, yes. Amen. Save me. Save me. <laughs> Saved us all. Well, that is a miracle. Look at this group. <laughs> we'll work together some other time, man. You're a great straight person back there. Wow-wee. Yeah. Ryan, weren't you just sitting over here? Sing out. What do you say? It's going to be a hard question. He's intellectual. I hope I can say something here after he's done. Uh, I know it. I, I'm perplexed by that. And uh, in the Yes, sir. John. Yeah, exactly. True, true. And I often think about that. Saw the great miracles and still murmured and complained. Uh, but I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and I still murmur and complain. You know, the flesh is fantastic. But he's right there talking to me. Real personal, real personal. Anything else? Yeah. Amen. I heard somebody say that one time. Uh, there was a guy that had a five-minute uh, evangelistic show way back when, when Christian radio was hard to get. Uh, what was the station in Bowling Green? Sounds of the country. Anyway, they went Christian, and I heard a guy say, the difference between blessings and miracles. He said overseas where they have nothing, they have miracles. Over here where we have a, a tremendous medical community and... Uh, industrial might and, and high standard living, we have blessings. So God's working in both arenas. We just call it different things, different applications. Marlene, did you have your hand up? Yeah, I, I think miracles are going to be on the increase. As, as the end times approach, we're, we're going to see a lot more supernatural things. Call them, call them miracles. Call them miracles. Yeah. Wow. I've walked a lot of cornfields after uh, hail, and it pretty much shreds it. Hey, praise the Lord. Yeah, it's like the, the strong east wind, you know. It said he, he divided the sea by a strong east wind. Uh, I think he was actually just drying out the ground, and, you know, he commanded the water to stand up. And, wow, what, what a vision. What a vision. A lot of miracles in that thing, and uh, we, we have miracles in our lives, too. We do. Any other comments? We're straight up eight. Uh, I think we'll pray, and we'll go home. Lord Jesus. Uh, just thank you for your text, Lord Jesus. Um, a lot of miracles, and one right after another to save your people. You're the sole redeemer, Lord Jesus. Um, thank you for being in our lives. Thanks for the miracle of our salvation. Thank you for the miracle of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let us be walking in his fire and his judgment, Lord Jesus. Lord, be with these folks. Uh, bring them back on Sunday and give them a great week. We ask it all in your name. Amen. Ruth.